Oh boy, this is one I've been waiting for for a long time. This week we are joined by the most amazing angler in the history of professional bass fishing. This week, Clay Dyer on... I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all, friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. It is the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Welcome in. Happy Hump Day. It is Wednesday. We always drop these shows every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Put a little hump back in your hump day, and I hope you're all having a good week. If you're not, the good news is you're halfway through the week, and lots of good things to look forward to, like, for example, tomorrow morning, the Bassmaster Elite Series kicks off on Pickwick, which will be stop six of the Bassmaster Elite Series. Kind of crazy to think of. I mean, at times it seems like it's been the longest season ever, and at other times it seems like, well, we just started. And now you got to think that there's literally no events left that smallmouth won't play a factor. Some people are happy about that. Some people are not so happy about that. Everybody will be happy with this week's guest. And this is honestly one I've looked forward to for a long time. I've openly called Clay one of my greatest heroes, and he truly, truly is. And, man, you want perspective, you want reality, you want motivation. You came to the right place. Because in a world where we're surrounded by people saying, I can't make it in pro fishing because I don't have the right graph. I can't make it because I don't have the right sponsors. I can't make it because I don't have time. I can't make it. There is no I can't with Clay Dyer. Clay Dyer was born with a lot of I can'ts. He doesn't have any legs. has one arm, and it's half of an arm. But, man, does he ever have an incredible, incredible heart and, um, and a desire. You know, the words I can't don't belong in his vocabulary. I mean, he literally does things every single day that people told him he couldn't do. His slogan is, if I can, you can, and boy, can he ever. I hope you enjoy this. Let's welcome in right now, the one and only Clay Dyer. Clay Dyer, thank you very much for doing this. I've wanted to talk to you for a while. <laughs> well, thank you, Dave, man. It's my honor, dude. Uh, when you reached out to me, I was like, heck yeah, man, let's do this. And uh, thankfully, we happen to be home for a few days enough. We can make it happen. <laughs> Yeah, the road the road is a, is a busy, busy place. But, dude, I mean, I was wondering how we're going to get into this. But but I literally want to give it to you. Let me know. Let's start off with, tell me your story. I mean, I'm sure you've told it a lot. But there's a lot of people that, that don't know your story. And, and right. let's start with that so we can, you know, we got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, man, my, dude, I'm just a... Um... I'm just a God-loving country boy, man. Loves to fish, loves outdoors, always have been. Um, you know, I, I was born the way you physically see me. Of course, it's hard to see a lot on this on this camera angle and stuff, but, you know, with a half arm and no legs, and um, there was no medical explanation. Uh, my mom never had complications. Um, mother never, you know, consumed drugs or anything that would have been a medical explanation. And um, so after I was born, I love the way my mother tells it. She said, you know, it's not like the doctor brought her um, after he took me and cleaned me up and brought me back. 
It's not like the nurse gave her an instruction manual with me and said, this is how you raise a child like this. So, you know, I just am um, very thankful. I, 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 I praise, praise the Lord, you know, that they, they didn't, um, they could have, you know, just be frank about it. They could have, um, uh, you know, aborted me. They could have put me up for an adoption, many things. They could have took the easy way out and they didn't. And uh, I, I thankful that they, you know, that they taught me the values of faith early on and taught me how to work hard and, you know, to, um, so I basically try to take the bull by the horns and, you know, uh, looking out in the world, what the world perceives as a handicap or as, as a disabled person, you know, in my mind, you're only as disabled or handicapped as you allow yourself to be. Um, I told somebody in the speaking deal the other day, I did, I said, you know, in life, um, in life, you're going to get punched in the nose from time to time. But to me, the difference between a champion and a loser and not trying to pat myself on the back, but the difference is, you know, when a, when a champion gets knocked down, a champion gets back up and, and a loser lays there. And, um, you know, I, I could have laid there and balled up in a fetal position and said, you know, okay, God, why me? Why did you, you know, bless me with no legs and, and a half arm? But, you know, dude, it's all about, I heard Kevin say a long time ago, a KVD said, you know, it's all about attitude. And, yeah. and it really is, you know, attitude and perspective and, so I chose instead of laying there balled up, crying and whining about everything, you know, to get up off my butt and uh, excuse my bluntness, but you know, get off my tail and, um, you know, try to go make something out, out of life and and uh, turn um, turn what to some people um, would have been lemons turned into lemonade, you know, and that's that's kind of my story. You know, it's um, I started fishing at four years old on my grandfather's catfish uh, farm. Um, my grandpa, one of my granddads was a real avid outdoorsman. Uh, my whole family is kind of that way, but my dad and my granddad were both, uh, but my granddad was really more of an avid outdoorsman. My dad was more of a businessman that played in the outdoors. And, but my granddad, you know, put me on his knee when I caught my first fish, which was a catfish. Um, then like a lot of kids, I was like, I love the catfish, but I want more of a challenge. So. I would come home on Sundays after church and I would watch Hank Parker and, you know, Bill Dance, Jimmy Houston. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And, um, I played sports growing up, um, got a few concussions and retired from sports and was like, you know, before I got out of high school, what what sports did you play? Uh, baseball, football, and basketball. And I I was terrible at all three. (laughs) You, you won't find my name in the AHSA book of records, but but I promise you, when I put on a football uniform, I look like R2-D2's twin brother off Star Wars. I kind of like a robot. But I promise you, when I put my head, I put my helmet in your kneecap or in your crotch, you went to the ground. I promise you. <laughs> you you've explained as a how you were born, as a God-sent gift. And yeah. in a world where literally somebody sprains their ankle and they're like, I can't do this anymore. Explain <laughs> that to me. Like, why, why do you think it's a God sent gift? Well, you know, I think um, to me, it's one of those things that, that it, it wasn't in my parents control, the doctor's control or anything. Um, and I think, I feel like we're all put on this earth um, whether, you know, people that maybe are not believers, you know, yet in, in Christ or they are, um, sometimes they don't understand 
you know, the role, but, you know, it, um, the role they play or the purpose they're put here for yet. And I firmly believe that, that God put me on this earth the way he did. And my purpose is, you know, for that is to show people that, Hey, regardless of what adversities you may face, Hey, if you believe and you've got the willpower and determination, you can overcome whatever, you know, and um, I believe that, that we're all put here for a purpose. And I believe that, you know, that was my purpose. And, and I believe that, that he has, he has blessed me so much with a, you know, platform and fishing the bass organization to help show that, you know, in a lot of ways and, and help show that just through the sports I played, the, you know, the everyday things that I try to do in life to that things that I won't even think about, but my wife, you know, family will be video. I mean, I'm like, are you videoing me? And my wife's like, uh, yes. And I'm like, why? And she's like, people need to see this. And I'm like, I'm just doing me. You know, I'm just doing what I do every day. And she said, I know you don't think about it. I do. (laughs) (laughs) You know this. I mean, I've pointed you out in many ways and said that that dude right there, that's my hero. And and, and, uh, one of the most humbling experiences I ever had in my entire life was, and I don't even know if you remember it, but um, obviously I was dealing with a bad back for a few years there and you'd go through weigh-ins and it'd get more and more painful. And then after the, like by the time you'd be just counting the moments till it's done. So you could just crouch down or sit in a position that would relieve that pain. And I remember being crouched down in a mess behind the stage and nobody, when you're in pain, especially around guys, nobody says crap (laughs) to you because we're, you know what I mean? They they just like, Oh, he's in pain. Let's just, and Yeah, well, and that's and that's literally, you know, what you need most of the time. But you gave me something that I didn't even know I needed. And um, I'm sitting there in pain and my eyes are closed. And then I, you know, you sense somebody coming closer and you roll up in your chair and you're like, Brother Dave, I feel for you. And I just like as you the words came out of your mouth, I'm like. Clay has no legs and one arm and he's telling me he feels for me. It, it was you know what I mean? But, but so for me, it was incredibly humbling, but, but that is who you are though, too. Like, you know, the one thing that anybody that hangs out with you says, it doesn't take long until you forget that, that there's anything different about you. Well, you know, to me, I mean, I, dude, I'm human like anybody else, dude. I've, uh, dude, I told my wife the morning I turned 44 on Monday and when I woke up, uh, my wife could hear, you know, after I got out of the bed, I was kind of getting going and, you know, I've got to get back to working out like I was physically and all that to get my body back where I want it to be for, you know, for fishing and, uh, and, and just to be healthy in general. And I've, I've gotten to be healthier eating and all that. But anyway, my wife said, baby, she said, you got a few creeks and pops, you know, that I ain't heard in a long time. And I said, yes, yeah. so there's parts of my body popping. I didn't know I had, and, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, um, um, it's one of those things that I, dude, I have pain like everybody else, but you know, I've, I just choose to um, not whine about it, not complain about it because I always try to, I remember what a guy told me years ago and I've always remembered this. And he said, you know, when you feel like you're at the lowest of lows at the bottom of the barrel with nowhere to look, but up, he said, if you're in a crowd of a hundred folks, he said, you can find 10 people that are worse off than you. And when he told me that I was like, wow, you know, he's, he's right. And, um, so I try to like you, dude, I just try to deal with it. Keep my head up, you know, keep, uh, keep grinding, keep doing like Gerald Swindle said a few years ago, or, you know, I think it was a year or so ago when he was talking about 
you know, fighting like the third monkey trying to get in the ark, and it was already starting to rain, you know, and that's that's kind of the that's kind of the the motto that that the the mantra I live by, and and to go with what you said, um, an example to me, and I never really thought about it, but this past um, this past Tuesday night we were blessed. We get me and my wife went down, and um, we were I filmed Wednesday morning. I don't mind he wouldn't mind me telling you I filmed with Hank Parker Wednesday morning. Um, we filmed about 19 years do, ago. Do, 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 do. And uh, we filmed again Wednesday morning, and but we had dinner with them Tuesday night, and I actually had a meeting with a company that I'll, I'll tell you a little later that, that thankfully is a blessing. We're going to be going on a pro team with them next year. And wow. uh, So anyway, with all that being said, Hank has got a really bad hip and a knee, and he's getting a hip replacement July 6th and then a knee replacement. And I noticed – I. I know Hank well enough. I've known him for years, but I've only gotten to really be around him a lot more the last few years. But I know Hank well enough. I could tell Hank was hurt, but Hank wasn't going to complain. And the next morning we get in the boat, and I notice his, you know, the pro seats up front and his, what I call the pawpaw chairs in the back. So he looked at me and he says, Clay, he said, you know, do you want to be in a chair? I said, dude, I said, if I get in a chair, I said, I'm a spasmastic rat. I said, if I don't stand up fishing, or at least I said, if it's windy, I'll prop on my seat. But my my I got a special seat or a, the skeeter seat that I cut the pedestal down. But I said, dude, I stand up unless it's so windy, you know. So I'm standing there and and, and he's sitting on and sitting on his butt seat, and I'm standing right behind him, and we're fishing up through there. And he turns down, looks at me, and he looks at his camera guy. He says, wait a minute. He said, if this dude here is gonna stand up and fish, he was like, I said, Hank. So we go to a commercial break. I looked at him. I said, Hank, I said, you ain't got to try to prove to me how tough you are. I said, dude, you're a freaking legend. I said, I hope when I get to be 70, I think he's 72, I think, or 74. Oh, said, he looks great. I said, dude, I just pray when I get, if, if God lets me stay on this earth that long, I said, I just pray I can even still throw a rod and reel. Hello. I said, not worry about whether or not I'm sitting on a seat or not to do it. <laughs> What is that like to, I mean, Hank was one of the guys that like I grew up watching, sitting on the carpet, looking up at the TV. And I like, that's why when you started talking about it, I was do, 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 Like, you know how many fish I've caught and been Hank Parker. Like, I don't think Hank Parker has any idea how often weirdos like us just go fishing and all you're all by yourself, just you and the voices in your head and, and you become Hank Parker, but to actually fish with Hank, after being a fan for so many years, what does that feel like? Well, I tell you, it was kind of, it was really cool because I've known Hank long enough that he and I, we talk quite often. We, we were text or whatever yeah. quite often, but you know, knowing that I filmed with him about 20 years ago and I was at the time I was 20, I was 22, 24, somewhere in there. And, um, anyway, when I got in the boat, he kind of made a statement. He said, you know, last time you went with me, you were, he said, you were a young adult, but he said, you, you've grown up. And I kind of laughed. I said, yeah, I got fat and ugly, didn't I? He, <laughs> he, said, he said, I didn't say that. I said, you didn't have to. I could see it. But, you know, our dialogue all day was like, it wasn't like somebody that that had had just been around and met a superstar. It was like two old buddies getting in the boat. And, dude, we laughed. We had a blast. We cut up and carried on and gave each other a hard time, you know, and uh, I picked at him, he picked at me, and he brought up that in the first time we filmed years ago, he was throwing a buzz bait, and I remembered it, and I had on a little 
like a topwater tug or kind of like the, you know, like the old Popar Pete's Ebony or something. But um, I was throwing in, and he was throwing a buzz bait. Well, every time he would miss one, while he was reeling in, I'd fire my tugger in there behind him, and I would catch it. And he looked at me. He looked at the camera guy, and, it, and I remember this. He looked at me, and he said, he said, man, I got a fish catching machine behind me, and I can't slow him down. And I jokingly, his camera guy had already told me, he said, look, he said, don't cut him any slack. So I looked at him way back then. I said, well, if you wouldn't miss him, you know, you, you wouldn't have that problem. And he knew right then, he and I, you know, were going to hit it off. So this time, the first, uh, one of the first couple of topwater bites I got the other morning, the fish missed it, and it fouled my topwater plug up. So he throws right there behind me, and I looked at him. I said, payback, guy. He looked at me. <laughs> He said, yeah, payback. I hadn't forgot that 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> He's been waiting a long time to get that payback. So, but you know, dude, being around Hank, Hank is just Hank, man. And that's what I love about him. He is, Hank is the same in person as you see on camera. And a lot of people are not like that. You know, Hank is just a God loving old country boy. We got in a boat and, you know, it was just like two old bud, dude, a half a day was gone before we blinked an eye. And um, he was telling me stories about all it, it amazes me at the distant, the, 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 the experiences he's had in the fishing industry for over 40 years, um, the knowledge he's got, um, you know, it's just amazing to sit down and, you know, here I was the night before when we're all having dinner and we're at this beautiful lodge and Hank's over there, you know, not trying to impress anybody. They sit nowhere with shirt tail untucked, you know, no sponsor logos on, just like family. Sitting over there with his legs crossed and we're laughing or we're crying. You know, I'm over there doing like a sponge just trying to soak it up because it's like I told my wife, I said, you know, when we got done, I said, honey, I said, I pray it's not the case, but I said, that may be the last time that I ever get the chance to be with Hank like that again. You know, he's, he's getting up in age. And he told me at the closing of the show, he looked at me and he said, Clay, he said, it's been about 18 years since we did this. He said, let's not let it be another 18 years before we do it again. And I looked at him and I said, dude, I'm ready when you are. And, um, you know, so when a legend looks at you, like I look up to him like, like you do. And when he looked at me and he said, let's not let it be 18 years before we do this again. Dude, I'm trying not to get all choked up on camera. He's getting choked up. And he looks at me and he says, Oh God, we're gonna make each other cry. Cut and the end of the show, you know. And, <laughs> and you know, it's just it's really special that I realize, and I'm just being honest, how many people, I mean, how many other people dream of being in position that I'm in to say, dude, I get to film with Hank twice, if not more, you know, and I can look back and say, when when his day's gone, just like we know we've lost some legends this year. And when Hank's day comes, I you know we're still here. I can look up and be like, man, you know, he left a, a mark on me. You know, he's, he was one of the ones just like Kevin, just like, um, you know, Jay Ellis. He was one of the ones that just like Ray Scott, dude, Ray saw in me years ago, he didn't see a handicapped young man. He saw a young man loving the fish, wanting to make a dream of being a professional angler. And just like Ray got behind me and gave me my first shot on the Federation, you know, Hank took me under his wing years ago and has always been there like an uncle or something to help. Do you realize that all those legends look at you like you're a legend as you are? Well, dude, I, I, I'm, dude you're going to get me crying over here. You're going to get my eyes leaking. Um, you know, dude, I don't, 
I don't look at it like that, dude. Um, I don't, I guess I don't even think about it like that. I'm just, dude, I'm just thankful that I can help some, somebody in this world realize that, Hey, if I do like, if they do like me, they can get over obstacles in life and can have success, you know, and I'm just about, I've always tried to be that guy that, that it's my, um, it's my prayer. It's my hope that I can make a difference, you know, in somebody's life and, Lord knows with the mess this world's been in the last few years, it's my hope and my prayer that I can help somebody, plain and simple. You you help countless people, like literally the amount of people that are inspired by you. Your name comes up in the fishing industry, and it's either reverence or just smiles that you see (laughs) from people. You know what I mean? And the reverence, a lot of times, it's people you don't have a relationship with. You know what I mean? Because they're like that. Wow. Clay is so, you know what you do, but, but you mentioned something earlier. You said, you know, when I was born, my mother said, no, nobody gave me a handbook and said, this is how to raise this boy. Well, <laughs> the things that you do, and, and, and that's the truth of every kid, to be honest, which is ridiculously startling. When you think about it, you got to take a course to drive a boat and a car and all these different things in a lot of places. Right. But they'll just let you take a kid home, um, which is so awkward and weird. But you, to do the things you do, to watch you fish, to watch you grab that Mountain Dew right there and have a drink, it's amazing to, and I know you're, you'll say it's just clay being clay. But how did you figure out all that? Like, how did you figure out how to cast? How did you figure out how to set the hook? Like, you know, there must have been, some approaches that failed. Like there's nobody that helped you was there to to figure it out. It was just you and Will. Well, uh, it was, I mean, it, it, Dave, and and honestly, my dad said this a long time ago, somebody asked him to teach me how to fish. And I remember my dad looking at that person and he said, well, he said, I tried to teach him the love of fishing. He said, and I, and he said, "I, I just tried to be there for him. He said, because he said, here I am, my dad and all these other able-bodied people are with two hands. He said, how do I look at him and tell him how to do it? He said, you know, so what I did was essentially went and got the rods and reels, whether it be, you know, my dial bait casters or my spinning rods. Um, way back then, I just went and got them, and I would watch other people. And in my mind, I, my wife says I have a MacGyver mind. I'm one of those that, you know, you put me in a room with nothing and, and lock it up and tell me I've got to get out. I'm going to figure out a way to get out. But, you know, um, I just, I watched other people do it and I realized what resources I had. Yeah. It's okay. How can I take what I've got and do this? And so I started this trial and error, man. And, you know, when it didn't feel right, I was like, forget that. And then when it did feel right, I was like, okay, we got something here. And I would try to take it and perfect it. And, um, I got tickled, um, Oh, uh, actually, the other night during that meeting, um, I'm sure you probably know uh, Jeff Kolodzinski from Hummingbird. Yeah, of course. Kolo was there with us, and Kolo looked at me, and I'd never been asked this question like this, and he, he, he got me. He looked at me, and he said, Clay, he said, let me ask you something in fishing. He said, outside of catching fish, what's the hardest thing that you've ever tried to do physically in fishing? I looked at him, I said, Colo, that ain't fair. I said, you just took my, my, my ace, my ace card away from me. And then he said, I know I did that on purpose. And I said, dude, I said, really and truthfully, I said, it's, it's, it's not driving the boat. It's not tying on the lures. It's not those type things. It's, 
you know, to me, honestly, I'm still to this day trying to get, I mean, this, however many millions of casts I've made in my life, I'm still working to get it better. You know, working to like on the cast, say, like on my casting, and probably casting is, you know, not to be boastful, but when I'm on a roll, doesn't matter where you want me to put it, most of the time when I'm on a roll, I'm going to get it in there at the first or second shot. But there's ways that, that I try to push myself to be better. Like I made a statement to Hank the other day. Um, the camera guy was in the back of the boat. Hank's in the front. I'm in the middle. And we're in a 20-foot boat. And I was I was throwing over my left shoulder. Of course, I have no left arm, no left hand. And Hank looks back at me, and he says, well, he said, you're the first – First man I ever seen with no left arm throw left handed, and we we kind of laughed about it. And I said, I said, I said, yeah, I guess that's right. And so I I, I try to constantly push myself to to make the the hard cast without changing the boat a lot because I want to make myself so efficient that if I'm going out of bank and I need to make a you know a roll cast off my left side, for instance, or skip up under a dock or whatever the case may be, that it's automatic that I don't have to burn 30 seconds of my eight hour day trying to figure that out. So with that being said, I mean, it, it's definitely um, the physical side of just being as efficient as I can. And um, what a lot of people probably think, well, man, you're, you know, you, you are efficient. No, in my mind, I'm nowhere close to where I want to be. <laughs> what, where do you want to be? What is your ultimate dream in fishing? Dude, I'll tell you, um, and I've said this countless times in a lot of my ministry appearances we make, you know, right here, I want to be, I want to have more Bassmasters Classic trophies, more Angle of the Year titles, and I've got to get my tail in gear because I'm way behind. Um, I want to have more classic, you know, I want to have, I want my mantle to be, but at the end of the day, I want my legacy to be, you know, a lot of people say, man, um, if you fished a Bassmaster event, Clay Dyer was one to beat. Well, if you look at my tournament record the last three or four years, Clay Dyer has sucked. And my, you know, to what, to what, my, you know, my 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 level, my floor, you know, is uh, to what I know I'm capable of. Um, standard, I know what yeah. I'm capable of, but and I haven't shown that, and I want to get back to that. But like anybody, dude, I mean, I just want to be. But at the end of the day, man, I'm just I, I'm I'm so blessed that. It's like I told my wife a while back, if if I don't catch another bass in my career, if I don't win a tournament in my career or an angle of the year title, I I can still I've got what nobody can take away from me and I can look back and say, you know what? I was able to live my dream. You know, I was able to be a pro angler at the top level. And there's so many millions that that honestly hope only hope to dream that. You know, I only hope to to get to that level and, and dude, we're there, you know, it's, it's, it's a personal thing because I know how much I want to win. And sometimes my wife looks at me and she thinks I want to win more than I want to be around her. And that's not the case, but you know, dude, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a doggy competitor. And I mean, an example of that, you know, how laid back Brandon is. Yeah. Dude, he, he is a doggy competitor and, He's not to bring people up to speed. Brandon Lester, for those of you wondering, I mean, yep. if you but Brandon Lester is your son-in-law, correct? Stepson. Stepson. Sorry, not yeah. son-in-law. It's all I'm good. bad with the family connection. Stepson. That's what I meant. <laughs> oh, it's all good, bro. Uh, but you know, as competitive as he is, he's not. 
that outward with it like some people are. It's more of an internal thing with him. But, you know, he and I, when we're on those opens together and we're rooming together and stuff, you know, he and I are more – he's more inward, I'm more outward. Uh, But, you know, I love it because he he doesn't cut me any slack. We were going – we got to go on a little fun trip um, about uh, back in April, and uh, he called his mom at lunch to talk to her about something, and I was actually fixing to go rig tackle to go the next day, and he asked his mama, he said, what's Clay doing? And, and his mom looked at me and my wife, and she said, well, he's actually going to go home and rig tackle. He said, well, tell him I'm coming to get him in 30 minutes. We're going fishing. And she looked at me, and I was like, I'm not ready, but come on. So he was <laughs> like, he was like, just grab six rods. Don't worry, I'm coming. So we get on the lake, dude, and I mean, I'm like not rigged up, not prepared, and we smoked them, you know, for – we didn't even get in the water to like two o'clock and fish to dark. And we had one of those spur of the moment trips, but we, we caught almost like 30 bass and for Tim's forward, our home lake, you know, uh, as good as he is, I think he's the biggest bag he's ever caught was 19. And we had like 17 in like four hours. And I lost one that would have put us at night. They had about a five pounder jump off. And it was so funny because we just had a ball out there on the spur of the moment trip whack the stew out of you know and and just and we we don't ever get to go together much but i said all that to say that at a tournament you know when we pulled up to the ramp that day he was on the phone with a good friend of ours and my our buddy told brandon he said he said all right take it easy on clay he said no he said i'm gonna go and whip his tail and get warmed up you know for the next elite and i looked at him i said all right come on with it i said you talk trash i said i can talk trash too <laughs> <laughs> you are a very good trash talker by the way it, and okay. it's it it's funny if you get around like me and you we will joke around a lot you and swindle especially <laughs> it, it's almost more fun to watch other people's reactions like is that oh. does that drive you crazy that people whenever they see somebody that's dealing with something they they just like I mean, I see you It's your best whenever everybody treats you just like we treat everybody else. And then that, like somebody told me a long time ago in pro fishing, they said, if you ain't prepared to be read, ridden, you better get out of the barn. <laughs> um, but is it driving crazy? Like, is it frustrating when you see people that become awkward around you because of something that that is just you? You know, it. I, I won't say it gets frustrating, but... I, I get where they're coming from because I know, like, if it's me and I don't know somebody's relationship, if I see somebody like – if I wasn't me and I saw somebody like me and I saw somebody like Swindle picking at them like Swindle picks at me, <laughs> if I didn't know any better, I'd be going in my mind going, oh, Lord, I hope these people, you know, are tight because if not, he's a jerk, you know. And But at the same time – People that don't know me and Gerald don't know how far we go back. You know, we grew yeah. up an hour from each other and all that. And But the thing that I want those people to understand, that's the way I, I want people to treat me. I don't want people to treat me like I'm some delicate little flower that don't need to be plucked or that I'm tender, you know, and you're going to offend me or hurt my feelings. You know, that's that's why, that's why um, – you know, all of us when we're together, y'all y'all know me and y'all know how I roll and y'all just roll with it. And you know, that that's that's just me, dude. That's the way I wanna be. And you know, it's like Gerald looked at me several years ago, one day we were fishing and the first time we ever got to go together, he looked at me and he was throwing a top water and I'm swimming a jig and I had like six in the boat before he had one. 
he turned around and looked at me and he said, I don't care if you saw it off or not, you're gonna you're not gonna kick my button like that, you know, without me without me without me trying. I looked at him and I said, Well, I said, I said, I ain't gonna catch no slack, son. I said, You better get a gear. <laughs> When you're at events and stuff like that, I mean, everybody knows you now. I mean, you're very well known in the fishing world, I would say. But but you started fishing terms when you were like 15. What, what was the reaction from other anglers like? Um, by and large, it was very, everybody was very receptive. I think everybody was a little bit, I don't want to say cautious, but they were a little careful just making sure they didn't overstep their bounds, if you will. Yeah. But it, it didn't take long before, you know, thankfully I was able able to win over their respect. Um, I liked how I had a co-angler a few years ago say it. Um, he had known of me for years, but we never drew out together or anything. And um, he looked at me and he said, man, he said, what can I do to help you? And I looked at him because you know how I am. I looked at him just real. I said, well, to be honest with you, I said, just stay out of my way. And I said, you know, I said, he kind of looked at me, kind of laughed. He said, why did I expect you to say that? I said, because you know me. And I said, look, dude, I'm the type that if I, I said, I'm very independent, um, I'm very stubborn like that. I said, but like, if there's something that, that, you know, that I need help with just to speed our day along, I said, I may tell you something like, you know, instead of me having to uh, jump down in the floorboard and grab a bottle of water out of the cooler, which when I draw it by myself, I don't think anything about it. It's just taking yeah. Like I said, I may be like, while you're in the cooler, I may say, hey, you might throw me a water out there. You might throw me a Gatorade, but hardly ever do that. But no, they, everybody was very, very receptive, very open. Um, and I think when people realize that I was, uh, and I don't mean this in a boastful way, but when I was for real, when I was committed, when I was dedicated yeah. and people saw that, you know, it was, it was all over with, um, you know, and, and I, it, that was my hope that people would see that, you know, that way. One of the things that amazes me about you, and I've never actually physically seen it, but I've always heard you tie knots with your tongue. Is that, is that how you tie a knot? I, I use my lips, my teeth and my tongue all together, but um, I use my lip, my tongue and my teeth and my lips all in combination to feel like when I put the line through the hook eyelet, and then to do the wraps and twists, I do them inside my mouth with my lips and my teeth. And then usually because I don't want to risk nicking the line or pinching it, normally when I, when I get the, the, the tagged in, looped or wrapped however I want it for whatever knot I'm tying, I will kind of pinch it between my lips without my teeth to, to, to get semi-tight. And then um, um, I will, you know, I put the hook point in my arm, which is why you see those little marks right there because they're scars. But um, I put the hook point in my arm. And you kind of stick it physically in your arm. Yes. Uh huh. Well, if it's a crankbait treble, human hook, pin cushion. Yes, like a like a human pin cushion. Yes. Um, and then to double check it, um, I'll I will flip it around. I will put the hook between my teeth, or like if it's a crankbait, I'll put the lip between my teeth, and I'll wrap the line around my arm to cinch it down to make sure that the knot is cinched good. I mean, I still stick it in my arm, but if I did that with my arm, almost every time I drive it in past the barb. So, you know, I, I, I check it the other way, but people have asked me a lot, you know, is there not a, um, a, a more comfortable way? Yes, absolutely. But it takes longer. They're like, well, why don't you do it that way? And I'm like, well, you know, we get eight hours in a tournament day and every second, I mean, Dave, you know this, every yeah. second counts. 
and and I'm I'm more. That's the fastest way I found to do it. And they say, so you mean you're willing to put yourself through that however many times a day? Absolutely, because I don't. I don't. In a way, it kind of reminds me when every time I do it. It reminds me of my mindset of the grit, you know, of not wanting anybody to, to give it to me. You know, it kind of reminds me of, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to earn this. I don't want anybody to look at me at a Bassmaster Open event or, or hopefully and prayerfully when I make the elites. I don't want anybody to look at me and be like, okay, you have a half an arm, no legs. We feel sorry for you. Let's just give you this trophy. No, you ain't giving me nothing. If I don't go out in fair and square, whip your tail and earn it, I don't want it, you know. So it, it kind of reminds me of that, and it's like Swindle used to say he would take his PMA bracelet when he would get aggravated. He would pop himself on the on the wrist to reset his mind. That's kind of my same thing. That's my reset, you know, of, of, okay, let's get back to drawing board and let's do this. So, you know, to answer, you know, I said all that to say that, Yes, I'm willing to do that because that's the fastest way because I'm trying to be, again, as efficient as I possibly can, you know, in a tournament day. Is that also why you don't, I mean, a lot of people watching this, if they haven't seen you fish, they would assume, okay, there's automated reels and things like that that you can press a button and the line comes in. You, I mean, apart from your truck, literally, you I've never seen you with a special piece of equipment. Your truck and obviously a chair to get, get around at events and stuff like that, but... You don't, you use rods and reels just like everybody else. Why wouldn't you use those, that the ones that have been designed for people that have issues? Um, it's like with anything else in life, I always look at those type things. Somebody out there needs that, and I want that to be available to them. I know it's available to me, but it, it, it's, um, it's a lot like the hunt, so to say, of trying to catch the fish. You know, it, it's um, it's why I don't seek help when I'm going to tournaments. Uh, yes, I know there's people that maybe before off limits, they go out there and they, you know, maybe talk to guides or try to gather waypoints or whatever. I'm the type, dude, I'm old school. And you yeah. may be doing that. If you do, I'm going to shake your hand and say, you kick my tail. But I want to know that if I've won it, I've earned it. And and that's why I want to take the – I want to keep everything as – um, as independent as I possibly can. And I said years ago when I came up on the tour, I said, I'm not going to do this. You know, if I'd say, well, somebody has to help me put my life jacket on. Somebody has to help me tie my baits on. Somebody's got a babysit my butt in the boat. I said, no, if I'm going to run with the big dogs, I'm going to do it like the big dog. That's, I'm going to do it, you know, on my own with no help. And I want I want to prove to people that, I may be the only guy, I think Ron Riles may be the, the other one, but I, there's one, there's just a few of us out here, but I want people to say, you know what? He does it and he does it without any assistance. What goes through your mind when you hear people do things like, I mean, quite often nowadays, you'll hear people talk about forward-facing sonar and things like that and be like, well, you, you know, it's a rich man's game. If you don't have forward-facing sonar, you can't compete. If you don't have this, if you don't have that, and and you'll hear people who just say, "I well, if I had been blessed with this and that, I could have done everything. But you were blessed with what many would perceive as disadvantages, and you have figured your way through it. So I would imagine your position, it's frustrating to listen to, and excuse the word, I don't even know if it's the right word, but an able-bodied person 
right. complain about I don't have the right graph on my boat, so that's why I'm not making it in pro fishing. Right. Oh man, it no, you're right, dude. Um I tell people all the time, me and negative Nancy, we, we got a divorce a long time ago. Um being positive Peter, we brothers, you know, we tight. Um, there's nothing that irritates me worse than somebody whine. I hate a, a whiner gets on my nerves. I'm like, if you get around me with, with that type of attitude, you're not going to last long because you're either going to get, I'm either going to, you know, I'm going to, we're going to change your attitude or, or I'm going to be away from you because I don't tolerate it. But to answer your question, it's funny that you brought that up because, you know, my wife, Brandon's, Brandon Lester's mom, yeah, um, she's so, is so, and it's like everybody tells you, if you don't have that support back home, St. You know, Kim to put up with both of you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, I wish she was here. She went with our daughter to went with Brandon's sister, Brooke, my stepdaughter to Huntsville to get some things. But, um, I had to tell her that you called her St. Kim. She'll love that. <laughs> uh, she, uh, you know, she, um, I'll never forget when forward facing sonar first came out, I was already thinking about how much the industry had changed in 10, yeah. not just, from a technological standpoint, but from a business promotion sales standpoint. And I remember when Ford facing sonar came out, you know, as I told you, I'm old school. And I'm like, when everybody started jumping on the bandwagon, I didn't. And I kind of sat back and kept doing my whole three graphs, one on the front for 2D or side scan mapping, two on the console, blah, blah, blah. And I believe it was how Hartwell – Two years ago or three years ago, when um, uh, uh, Lord have mercy, Patrick Walters, Patrick Walters, yeah, and Brandon and I were 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 in that tournament, and um, I remember Brandon and I were both in the same. You know, he had forward facing sonar, I think, but he he wasn't used to it yet. Yeah, and he had played with it, and he looked at me before the tournament started. We're out there in our cabin at our house. We'd rented. We're rigging tackle. I'll never forget. He looked over at me. And he said, "Hammer, how many rods you got rigged up?" And I hadn't even thought about it. And normally, I call myself five rod Todd. If I've got more than five rods on the deck, I'm gonna get my butt kicked, you know. Unless it's just a junk tournament. So I looked down there, and I was like, "Good lord, I got 24 rods rigged up." <laughs> and he looked at me, and he goes, "Dude, I got 20, whatever it was." He said. I ain't never went into a tournament with that many rods rigged up in my life. And he looked over at me and he said, dude, he said, do you realize? He said, both of us is probably fixing to get our butt kicked with forward-facing sonar. I looked at him and I said, you're probably right. Well, we did. After that tournament, we are getting ready to rig the boat the following year. My wife looked at me and my wife has never questioned, and Lord knows that the money we've spent, you know, on stuff outside yeah. of what our sponsors, you know, do. My wife looked at me and she said, and I and, and I was going to go tell her, honey, we got to get this. But my wife looked at me and she said, honey, she says, I don't care if we have to buy it. We've got to put you the best of the best stuff on the boat. And I mean, I knew she was all in. I knew that. But for her to make that comment when, and, and nothing negative towards my wife, if I tell my wife, I mean, she can back the boat with Lulu and the best of them. But if I looked at my wife and said, baby, can you go back there and mark a waypoint? She don't know how to do that on my graph. But for her to have enough of an understanding of what just happened and for her to look at me and say, baby, we got to get this. I was like, that was kind of that moment. And we've been married almost eight years. That was that moment of she's for real. She, she's in this with me. And because uh, she, dude, my wife could make a penny squeal. Okay. And, <laughs> and, um, 
I tell her all the time, I said, Man, you take a penny and turn it into a hundred dollar bill. I've never seen a woman do that. But anyway, so with all that being said, um, we got it, we got it on the boat and I, dude, I'm so far behind the learning curve. It was ridiculous. And so B and I go, Brandon and I, I call him B a lot. We yeah. go out together and we're trying to learn this together. We're trying to put our heads together and, 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 Cushion the blow because we're both getting our tail kicked with it, you know. So, um, and looking back now, he and I were actually talking about this last night. I said, you know, dude, I said, I love the way everything is set up. I said, but I wish we would take maybe three or four of our events a year and say, okay, um, no GPS, no forward-facing sonar, no side scan. Let's put the old-fashioned flashers on. Let's put our big boy panties on and let's get after it. And let's see, you know. <laughs> You're not the only one. There's a lot of people out there that would love to see that, I think. Um, but it's weird because how do you cut it off? Like how, okay, electronics, we're going to go back, but, hey, we're still going to run boats with 250 horsepower and we're still going <laughs> to, I mean, it, I'd, I'd love to see a tournament where it like literally was old school and people fished out of different, you know, different boats and stuff like that. But um what uh, what do you think the future of this sport is like? But when you look at the sport, I mean, you're a, you're a member of this you know community and this sport, and you've seen everything. You've seen evolutions, and and I consider ourselves so lucky to be now. Like you know, you talk to Trip Weldon. Trip still knows the number that he used to call off by heart. He knows it that he used to call every day to get the updates from Bass, and it's literally in our lifetime. You know, um, Trip went from doing that to it's live and everything. I mean, this sport has exploded, especially in the last 10 years. Oh, absolutely. It, I was talking to Hank about that the other night. I said, you know, dude, I mean, I've been in this over 20 years myself. I've, I've not fished at the top level, but since 2005, but you know, I started in 95 on the Federation. Yeah. I've been at this a long time and it, it is my mind really just spins in like out of control when I realized back, dude, I'm, I've, I was like hanking him, dude. I remember back in the days and, and of all ways I could bring this out. I remember my mom sewing my patches on my, on my shirts that were my sponsors. And now we're in subliminated jerseys, boat routes, you know, all the digital content, YouTube, you know, websites, all this stuff. And it, it's crazy it, it, where it's came to, but yet, um, and it goes back to my hat is off to um, the the engineers of the electronics companies or the rods and reels of the baits to know how far we've came in, you know, my goodness, putting on the old Zoom, as Hank calls them, rubber worms. I die laughing every time I hear him say, I'm putting on one. He said, brother, you need another rubber worm. And I, I get I get tickled. But, you know, to, to, to think even when I started fishing Zoom years ago, to now, and I'm not trying to be a sponsor plug, but the ones I represent, you know, to now when I tie on, you know, some of our, our spro baits or our buckeye baits or whatever, or when I fire up, you know, my electronics on my skater, you know, it, I, I can't help but sit there and shake my head in, this, in, in, in amazement of, like you were saying a while ago, dude, I'm blessed. I've got the best technology on my boat money can buy. And at the end of the day, you take all of that technology, and at the end of the day, it's still right here. Oh, it's yeah. Good. 
if we don't make the right decision, it don't matter how many thousands of dollars worth of forward-facing sonar of 360 of whatever. If we don't make the decision to put on the right bait in the right area at the right time and make the right cast, we don't get bit. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I love so much about this sport. Um, I told I told a kid the other day, I said, dude, I played sports in school. I coached in high school as an assistant. I called plays. I said, and what I love so much about fishing, all the other sports, you have all these variables that are controllable. In fishing, I mean, yeah, in sports, you can't control the weather when you're playing football or golf or whatever. But I made the joke to one of my co-anglers. I said, yeah, I said, you know, I got utmost respect for the PGA golfers and all that. But I said, hello, it starts raining. I said, we don't pull an umbrella up and go to the clubhouse and call a rain delay. I said, we pull our big boy, big boy drawers up and get after it. You know, I said, if it's a life-threatening situation, yeah, they 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 protect us and delay us. Yeah. But with all that being said, you know, we're the ones calling the plays. We're calling the shots. And where I see this sport going in the foreseeable future, it, it it's mind-blowing. It's amazing because and, – and, and, dude, I, I hate to say it like this, but of all of the bad – of all of the, 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 you know, the, the bad things, the bad, uh, the deaths, the sickness that came out of COVID. If there's one thing that COVID did, I shouldn't say COVID did, but if there was one thing that came out of COVID to me, that was such a huge blessing, but at the same time, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it blew the fishing industry up. Yeah. I mean, it, dude, it exploded. I mean, it's, there's more people fishing now than ever. Um, and honestly for us as a pro team, I feel bad for our sponsors because they're trying to get, you know, material to make you and I products. Yeah. And, and the first time ever in all my years of doing this, my sponsors told me last year, uh, at the end of last year, they said, look, what you normally take and maybe donate to a kid or to a, a high school fishing team, you know, your baits, your extra baits, your rods and reels, whatever. I said, if you think you might need that hold on to it that we can get you your new stuff. And that's when I realized at the impact that it had made, you know, because they, they literally bless heart. They can't make stuff fast enough, you know, now to, to accommodate how many people are doing this. And honestly, in going forward, um, you know, I don't really have any concerns outside of it's almost like, I feel like they're going to have to make more lakes because the lakes are getting so crowded. Yeah. It's a good issue. It's a good issue. It is. They haven't made lakes in a long time. I know. And, and it, which sounds funny because it, you know, being from Canada, the thought of making a lake is ridiculous because we are just <laughs> blessed with so many lakes. Right. But, but I mean, all these great lakes that, that, that you see the elite series on that you see pro level tournaments on majority of them were all created. And, and within the last, you know, 50 years or something. So it's, 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 it's amazing that like, I, I agree with you. They need to start making some more lakes, uh, <laughs> more, more lakes. Is, it would be a huge improvement on our sport. Well, you know, I, I got asked this the other day um, and I forget now, but anyway, where we were at, but some guy asked me, he said, you know, why don't y'all's tournaments ever come to like this lake or this lake? Or yeah. this lake? And we're like, we love, I said, dude, personally, I would love to go to that lake. I said, but what you have, what, what a lot of people don't realize, 
It's a little different with the elites because of the number in the field. But like with our Bassmaster Opens, you know, we're average. It's growing so much that people are trying because people want in the elite series. They want to qualify for the Super Bowl of bass fishing. And for the first time, and I've been with bass since 2012. And for the first time, you know, dude, we can't just go to a lake that that, that doesn't have the infrastructure, yeah. doesn't have a, a, a parking lot that wouldn't hold 200 boats because there's such a, you know, a desire for people to, to come to bass. And, and that's what I told the guy. I said, well, I said, you know, we've got to have certain size boat ramps, certain size, you know, so, so many cabins or, or rentals or hotels to house us all because there's so many of us. And at one point that was a dream. Like if you had said to people back one day, this boat ramp, this, this it won't be enough. They would have laughed at you. And, and yeah. now it is the case everywhere we go. Um, I- one, one thing I did want to ask you is how many people tried to stop you? How many people said, uh, Clay, you can't <laughs> do this. Stay, stay, stay at home. You, you know, you don't need to be going out in a boat. You keep stop, stop chasing this crazy dream. Dude, I, I wished I had the number. Um, it's funny that you say that. And I'm glad you said that because I don't know the exact number, obviously, but I do know that there were some people from my hometown that we, we had a few player, a few athletes from my hometown of Hamilton that went on to play or in the surrounding area that went on to play in the NFL, um, the NBA or major league baseball. We had, and I, and I won't call their names out of respect because saying I made it and they didn't, but we had a few, a few fishermen from my local bass club that I grew up in that one of them come out and they fished the, a few of back then it was the invitationals. What's now yeah. the, they fished a few of them for a few years. And for whatever reason, whether it was lack of, um, financial resources or lack of sponsorship, or they decided it wasn't for them, whatever the case may be. But I do remember, you know, people telling me, you know, there were some that were like, man, you know, dude, I, you know, you're crazy. You know, I don't know if I do this. And then I had the ones that truly knew me that were like, they had no doubts. They're like, you're going to make it because that's all you've ever done. You know, and I don't mean that to be arrogant, but with all humbleness about me, they knew that I was the type that whatever I wanted to do, that I wasn't going to back down until I made it happen, you know, or that, that I was going to succeed in it. And that's that's what I've always tried to do my whole life is, you know, take whatever adversity or challenge and, and accomplish it. And that's another reason, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, that's when you said, what do I want to accomplish in fishing? <coughs> Excuse me. That's um, that dogged competitor side of me, you know, that's that's me. That's why I'm fighting. That's why I remember Cliff Crochet told me several years ago he practiced with me one day. And Cliff, you know, you spend elite series guy. Yeah, one of my best buds. And he said, Clay, he said, um, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna watch you for a moment. I said, dude, I don't you know, you're in the boat, dude. I'm gonna practice, do what you want to. So he sat back there and after about 30 minutes, he said, Bro, and that's what he always he always called me, bro or Andrew. He's the only one I know that um that called me by my middle name, Andrew, in a Cajun accent. So anyway, he said, bro, he said, I want to ask you something. I said, sure. He said, why hadn't you quit? I looked at him. I literally laid my rod down, trying to look at him. I said, what do you mean? Why hadn't I quit? And he just looked at me and he said, bro, if I had to do what you did the way you had to do it, he said, I'd have done quit. 
I looked at him. I said, Cliff, you have it. I have it. He said, but why, why haven't you quit? I said, dude, I said, when you quit, I said, you never, you never accomplished your goal. And he said, well, he said, we're brothers. Let me just ask you this. He said, what if you never accomplished getting into Bassmasters Classic? What if you never get on the elites? I looked at him and I said, bro, I said, I'm blessed either way. I said, but I can promise you this. I said, I'm going to have a, I said, I'm going to have a blast giving it heck anyway. And, and, and he looked at me and he said, I got you. I got you. He came up on the deck with me and he gave me a big neck hug, big bear hug. He looked at me and he said, all right, let's, let's, let's put all these tears away and let's go catch some. And we did. But it was the fact that I said, you know, dude, even if I don't accomplish those things, I'm still blessed. I'm still fortunate, dude. I'm still getting to do what millions only hope for, but I can promise you this. Um, somebody said, are you ever going to retire? And I, I laughed at him. I said, retire? I said, don't, people, don't most people retire and go fishing? I said, dude, I ain't going to retire. I said, I don't see retirement. I said, I'm going to be a guy acre. I'm going to be one of those. That I may be getting my butt kicked, but I'm going to be having a good time doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying the guy here is getting his butt kicked, but you know what I mean. I may – even if there's a time that I am physically where I feel like that I physically, I might not be at the top of my game. So what? I'm still going to go out and do what I love doing. Your attitude is incredible. And, and that's honestly what, I mean, everybody says it, but you are living, breathing proof that like, if you have the right attitude, because I'm sure there's plenty of people that were born in a situation like you and, took the other route you know were you always like this or did you have like a stage of your life where because I think you're allowed that I mean I, I, I mean most teenagers are pissed off about something anyways um <laughs> but was there a point in your life where you did you know where you were not as content with with your situation you know I've I personally have always been the type that I've always been driven um my brother, my brother made the statement one time in a video, and I'm gonna to try to say this without getting emotional. But if you saw the ESPN feature that was done many yeah. years ago, you know they asked my brother. They said, "If there's anything you could give him, what would it be?" And he looked at me. He said, "The obvious answer would be arms and legs," but he doesn't want that. And my brother looked at the camera and he said, "You know," he said, "He said he's one of the type that he's never needed motivation. He's always been self motivated." self-driven and and i have been i've been blessed you know beyond measure in that department but i you know dude i'm human like anybody else i mean there's times that i don't get down and need motivating what i do is is get fired up i get you know like you said i get i'm just gonna be frank i get pissed off sometimes yeah because i know i'm not at the level i want to be and that that fire is what gets cranked up like when I saw, um, you know, and, and a big congrats to Lee Livesey. I've got yeah. Lee. I don't know Lee that well, but I know Gerald that well. And I'll be honest with you. When I thought, okay, if this is not, you know, of course our Brandon. You know, when Brandon got got, um, he made the third day cut, but then didn't make the final uh, twelve ten. He didn't make championship Sunday. And you know, I got all the respect in the world for all of those guys. For Brandon Pollock, he and I are tight. For Swindle, but you know. There's, there's those times like with me where, you know, like Brandon Pollock has had, he, you know, he's gotten his wins, but I'm always tickled to see him get another one. Yeah. You know, I ain't going to lie. In that top 10, I was like, man, I'd like to see Swindle get his first one. You know, he's paid his dues. He's been out here for years. 
So with that being said, um, you know, it's, it's when I see that type or I, or I go out here and I hear, I can hear the best of the best motivational speakers, but dude, seeing you go out and physically do it is what, is what puts the fuel on the fire to me. You know, I can listen to the best of the best, but to see the best of the best do it and see them out there fighting, that's what gives me my fight. You can talk to me all day long. You can tell me this is how to do it. But what gets me fired up is when I see Swindle, bless his heart, for instance, he's one of them. The bands, like like Pollock said on stage the other day when you had him in the hot seat, and Pollock said, I can slide between his knees, you know, if we play baseball because he's so bow-legged. Dude, I'm over here crying, laughing, you know, listening to this. And But to see, like with Swindle, all the physical elements he has against him, but you never hear him complain. He goes out there day in and day out fighting like a bulldog, you know, trying to win. And when I see that, that's what's like, yep, let's do this. Why do you think Swindle hasn't won? No, dude, that's a great question. And I actually asked a buddy of mine that a few years ago. And I won't say who my buddy was. He used to fist opens. He doesn't anymore. Um, but And I didn't agree with his answer. But he looked at me and he said, because I said, you know, dude, I wonder why Swindle hadn't won yet. He looked at me and he said, because he's a head case. And I wanted to reach over and punch my buddy just because I'm like, no, dude, you're telling this guy's a head case. And this guy that, that told me that is the very type that would have all this game plan in his mind. Yeah. On his first spot, he's spun out, he's done. Um, why do I think Swindle hasn't? Um, I think Swindle is so, Gerald is so, um, he's so consistent. He's such a great angler. Um, I think that maybe one of the reasons why he hasn't won yet, and Lord knows, I think, honestly, I'm the same way. I mean, I had made a cut in years, but I think one of the same reasons for me is I think mentally Gerald knows how to win. Yeah. I think until you close that first event out, there's still something inside of him. He's so consistent. He's such a dang good angler. My God, is he so good. But I think there's a way that you close out tournaments, and I think until you do that and it clicks in your mind that you realize and, – and, and I'll be honest, I think part of why Swindle has it, just like Brandon and myself and a few others, a lot of these guys on the last day will gamble and go for the win. And Swindle has done that. He has tried to gamble and go for it. But a lot of times when you make that gamble, when you don't know where – like at Fort, for instance – when you don't know where Lee Livesey's at, you don't know on the lake, you don't know what area he's fishing, you don't know what Pollock's fishing. The hardest part I do in fishing is when I want to win, but I know I didn't figure it out in practice or I didn't find the right area. I respect those guys so much that, like, if I know when we go to the Red River in September from the Central Open, I know where it was one last time. It's one that never left. Patrick Patrick Walters never left Red River Marina. Neither did I. And I should have made the cut in that tournament. He kicked my butt 200 yards from me. But if I know where somebody's at and they're catching them and I'm not, I've got too much respect not to move in on that person and be like, okay, dude, I know you're on them. I'm coming in. Because I want the same respect in return for me. If I have my shot one day and I'm leading, I want that same guy to be like, you know what? Um, if he come, if it's Patrick Walters, if it's Gerald, if it's whoever, Brandon, you know, if they come in to me, 
and they say, hey, can I fish here? You know, I hope they would respect me enough that they won't even ask me that they'll turn around and they'll go because I'm going to do the same with them. If I idle in and I saw them sitting there and I didn't know that's where they were at, dude, I ain't going to make a cast. And I think, honestly, with Gerald sometimes, it's he has so much respect that he believes if he gets the bites, just like at Fort, dude, who's to say he couldn't have had an eight, you know, two eight oh, yeah. through him like they did for Lee? Gerald catches those two eight pounders ball game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I don't think there's a reason. You know what I mean? Like when I ask that question, I, I don't have an answer. Like I, I will say this your buddy's answer to that is wrong. Um, because I, I would say Gerald today is more dialed in and more put together than I've ever known. Him. You know what I mean? And, and content. And, and, and in some ways I'm like, well, Gerald Swindle hasn't won because Gerald Swindle doesn't need to win. You know what I mean? Like he's got, he's accomplished everything in this sport, two angler of the year titles. And I know he wants that. And I believe that is coming. And I believe when it does happen, it's going to be huge and whatever, but Oh, Everybody's man. got a story. You don't get to decide what your story is. I mean, everybody doesn't get to be Kevin Van Dam. But right. but if but if Gerald Swindle was Kevin Van Dam, like if Gerald Swindle had a like Kevin is the only pro out there, really. It, you know, to a T. You know, maybe Wheeler. But if you look at at the, he never had Kevin never had a downturn until. 20 years into his career. So, right. but if Gerald Swindle was that at the beginning and had been that, he wouldn't be the Gerald Swindle that he is today. You know what I mean? Everything that you right. that has happened to him created him. And, uh, and I think he's one of the most amazing people in this industry, really. But, but I, yeah. I, uh, I don't think there's a reason. I think that the world puts way more pressure on you when you're him uh, because, you know, you, you think, but, but I mean, I, I, I think it'll happen, but I, I just, I don't, I don't think there's a reason. I don't think that the, you know, he hasn't won because of this, because trust me, he is his most competitive dude out there. And if there was a reason, like I got to be more aggressive or I got to do this, he would have figured that out by now and done it. But um, I, I just think the writing, he doesn't get to write his own book. And, and sometimes uh, you just got to enjoy the ride and, and let it happen. And I should have said this, Dave, um, because you just hit the nail on the head. You know, when when that guy said that, you know, in my mind, what I'm sitting here thinking, no, Gerald's already a champion. He may not have hoisted the blue trophy yet, but Gerald's got more blue trophies from his journey, from his story, from the impact he's made on people, the positive impact he's made on people, just like KVD and and some of the greats of the sport. Um, And to me – to me, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, what I want to accomplish, the trophies to me in life are not necessarily the physical ones you see sitting on the map. You know, the trophies to me are the impacts you make on people, the the positive impacts, the the when you've helped somebody when they've been down and they may, maybe have been in that ditch of life and you reach out and pull them up and say, man, I love you, buddy. I care about you. Come on, we're going to do this. We're going to get you through this. And that that's that's – you, I, I basically sit there and blab for five minutes and didn't even answer your question. But in my mind, I'm thinking the same thing like you said. You know, Gerald doesn't have to win. He doesn't have to get – and I know he wants it. Yeah. He, he's already won. He, he, his, his trophies, in my mind, are the trophies that 
of what you hear him tell sometimes on his YouTube, you know, of when he's had the drug addicts or the, you know, the alcoholics or the people that have fought addictions, the fought suicide, they came to him and said, Gerald, you know, because of you, I'm still here and I overcame this. That's, dude, that's the trophies that matter in life. Yeah. And he's overcome a lot. And, and I, I feel the exact same way. Is there anything you've never, is there anything that you haven't been able to accomplish in your life? <laughs> Getting to the Bassmasters Classic and winning or winning, <laughs> winning that top level tournament. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, is there, is there a sport you try to do and you're just like, well, I, I just can't, I can't do that. I mean, I can't do the Rubik's Cube. I, I don't give a crap. The only way I get the Rubik's Cube right is if I peel <laughs> all the stickers. And I once did as a child, took all the time to take all the stickers off without bending them and put them in the right spot. That's the only way I do a Rubik's Cube. You know, not really. Um, I mean, granted, did I ever hit a 400 foot home run in a, in a, in a major league baseball game? No. Um, but I tell you what I did do, you know, I was the type that when I put the bat in my arm, you know, a lot of the infielders would come in thinking I was going to have this little slap bunt, you know, right there in front of them. I loved it when I did that because I just blew it right over their head between them and the outfielders a lot of times. But, um, you know, no, there's no sport that I've ever tried. Um, I'll be honest, I know hockey to you guys is like, NFL football, I shouldn't say NFL football. I honestly – I like offense. NFL football too. Well, I'm, well, no I'm sorry. Offense, no offense to some of those people. I mean, I I've watched 10 minutes of NFL in the last 10 years. and You like college football though. Oh, I'm, I mean, I, I follow NFL when I know like if it's players that – like I'm a big Bama fan. Most people know that. Roll Tide. If, if it's like – say, for instance, Tua Tungvaloa playing for the Dolphins, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm for the uh, Eagles. If they're on, and I've I've got personal connections with those guys, I pull for those guys. But now just to sit down and watch an NFL game, uh, the Super Bowl, yeah, I love watching the playoffs. But to watch a regular NFL game, I'm like, dude, I'll be out here spoiling line in a boat or something. You know, uh, I'll just have it on maybe in the background for noise. I've just never been that big of a of a – I love Atlanta Braves. uh, I watch Atlanta Braves almost every night when they're on, when I, or I record them. Um, I'm a big college sports fan, but now to say there's a sport that if I've ever tried to do and couldn't, uh, not really. Uh, hockey. I, you you were starting on hockey. Have you ever tried hockey? I've actually never tried hockey. I've 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 on my senior trip in high school in 1996, we got to go to Cleveland, Ohio, and we watched. I can't even think of who the the NHL team is there, but anyway. We went to a fight and they had a hockey game while they were fighting. Yeah. And I always when I say the NHL in the NHL game, you go to a fight and a, and a hockey game might break out. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's weird. You know, when you grow up in Canada, you just see so much hockey and you think it's like that. But now that I've spent so much time in the States and watched so many other, like, I mean, I've always watched every sport, but it's weird because I like it's just been the last few years that I've watched hockey and I'm like, ah. Isn't it weird that like in any other sport you do that and you're suspended, but in hockey, it motivates your team. <laughs> like it's, it's a move. Like, all right, I'm going to go fight now. It's, it is weird. It's a lot of weird things about hockey. They also hit the smelling salts on the bench, which is strange to me. I mean, I've never used smelling salts. I guess they get you going or whatever, but it's just weird. You'll see a guy fight and then go to the bench and hit the smelling salts it's um it is because in the fight he's about half passed out from getting, from getting smacked in the head so many times like get, he gets the smelling salts to revive himself back up 
Clay Dyer, you are a, a national treasure, man. I'm going to tell you, you are an amazing, amazing man. And you said that, you know, I've never made the Bassmaster Classic. You've never hit a 400-foot home run. But, man, you have motivated so many people around the world to achieve so many amazing things. Um, all I can say is thank you, Clay. Thank you for being who you are because, really, the world needs more people like you and more attitudes like you. And, and I, all my hope is that anybody that watched this show, you know, the amount of people that we hear say, I can't make it. I can't. You can't. There's people. You're no different than every other person out there. You know, every pro that made it said there was people said I couldn't. Right. And you just refused to listen to them. And it's amazing. Well, thank you, Dave. I, uh, I appreciate that, brother. That's uh, made a lot to me. And, uh, you know, I, um, um, all I'm going to say, you know, you, you've inspired me and you have no idea. And you know, cause I, I want one day for you to, um, you know, G man tends to just come up and take the mic away, my microphone away from you and let you have a break at times. Well, I'm just going to tell you, um, you know, I'm going to tell you, you can't retire till I get on that elite stage and you get a chance to interview me behind, behind the scales. And it's like I told my wife, she said, baby, she said, you know, what do you think you're going to say when you, when you get your first big win? I looked at her and I said, I said, uh, I said, there's going to be three words come out of my mouth. It's going to be, give me a minute. I said, because we, 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 we're going to be, uh, I said, outside of praising the Lord, you know, the first thing I said, we're going to be, uh, we're going to probably uh, be slinging a whole lot of tears and snot for a few minutes and jumping up and down and going nuts. So I'm going to tell you or, or Hank Weldon or whoever the, the uh, TD is with me on, on stage or the MC, I'm going to be like, all right, y'all just not give me a minute. We're going to do this together. <laughs> so you, you can't retire uh, until I get up there. So I, I better get my tail in gear and get there, brother. I, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. And, and dude, I'm going to honestly tell you this. That would literally be a dream come true for me, too, not just for you. <laughs> well, man, we, we're going to go give it heck trying to get there, brother, and we're going to go bust our tail and, and do our part, and uh, I promise you we do. We'll, uh, I'm just going to give you a big old monkey pile hug, and uh, when we get there, we're going to say, hey, we made it, brother, and uh, we come across that, that classic stage. Hey, I, I hope I have to bring you – I hope I have to bring – Bo's a bag of fish big enough. We have to double bag it. You have to help us carry it up there. <laughs> I'll be there to help. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the one and only Clay Dyer. If he can, you can. That's right, brother. God bless you, man. Thank you for having me on today. And I look forward to it again sometime. Thank you, Clay. Wow. All I have to say after that chat is wow. And, um, to be honest, that's kind of how I feel every single time I have an interaction with Clay, whether it's just a quick, you know, high five on the way past um, after a tournament weigh-in when he's with his family or whatever. Any time I've ever spent with him, I'm like, wow, that is some perspective. And that is how we all need to look at life. And... Um, you know, I'm supposed to ask you to like and share and all that stuff. Um, hopefully you'll do that. But uh, this show was so much more than any of that. This show um, was one I wanted to do for a long time. And when we stopped recording, I, I told Clay this. And I probably should have done it on camera. But um, And I don't know whose quote this is. But I just heard it recently. And it said, uh, and, and this just fits for Clay and in. For me, anyways. Uh, 
how I feel about clay. And, and the quote was, you know, people will forget the things you said. People will forget the things you've done, the things you've accomplished. People will never forget how you make them feel. And Clay Dyer, I am thankful for you. We'll see you guys next week. And as always, take it away, Uncle Bob. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?